The text for our meditation this evening is from the book Song of Songs. Uh, we read uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, and 9 and 10. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. And we pray. These are your words, Heavenly Father. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. If you think it's a little odd to use Song of Songs for a Thanksgiving text, you'd be right. But I've spent so much time in this book lately for our Advent devotional booklets uh, that I, I couldn't help but preach on it today uh, because this is a, a, just a wonderful book. It's, it's a beautiful, often overlooked book of the Bible. And without turning this into a pre-Advent service, I wanted to simply give an overview, an introduction to the book, Song of Songs, which really fits so perfectly with Thanksgiving. Here in the introduction, we see some things that we would normally give thanks for. Wine. We'd give thanks for, 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 for drink and for food. Oil. We might think of, of being anointed and, and having medicine. A mare and chariots. Uh, we might think of animals and vehicles. Jewels. We give thanks for our riches and our wealth. And, and yet... God uses all of these to point us to some things that are even better. And it's as if even God himself give thanks, gives thanks for something. God praises something. The Song of Songs is a poem that goes back and forth between uh, the bride and her bridegroom, the beloved, uh, Shulam, the Shulamite and King Solomon. And, and to understand what is going on here, you, you have to know who is talking at what point. And the headings that you have in your, in your service, uh, your bulletin uh, in italics, aren't included in the biblical text. They're not part of Scripture, but I've included them there so that you, you know who's speaking. And the Shulamite, and that's Solomon's bride, we never find out her name. Uh, we don't know much about her other than that, uh, her ethnicity. Uh, it, she's uh, a Shulamite. And she says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your love is better than wine. I think all of us would say that love is better than wine. Love of children, love of siblings, love of spouse, of family. But consider, this is King Solomon. Solomon is uh, the king, and he's not just some king. He's not just some random king. Modern scholars uh, have estimated Solomon to be the fifth richest man who has ever lived. Uh, at highest, his peak net worth was estimated to be $2.2 trillion. $2.2 trillion. And if you wanted to buy a glass of wine with this guy, you might as well sell your house. And think of wine, too, in Scripture. 
Uh, throughout the Bible, wine is symbolic of joy. Uh, nearly every book of the Bible has a reference to wine, and it's usually always associated with joy. Uh, there is nothing that's more representative of joy than wine. It is literally intoxicating. Joy follows wine. And you'll probably have wine at your Thanksgiving dinner for this reason. You want your time with your family to be a joyful time. But here, the love of the beloved for his bride is better. And then when you read Song of Songs, the basic reality here is that this refers to Solomon's love for his bride, the Shulamite. But there's a more full reality going on here. In fullness, this refers to Christ's love for his bride, the church. Christ's love for his bride is described as better than the highest joys of anything on earth. And of course, especially at Thanksgiving, we recognize that every good thing that we enjoy on earth is from God and made possible through Jesus. Had Jesus not lived and, and died on the cross for our sins, this world would be a very bleak place. In fact, this world would stop spinning. It could not survive without the constant providence God provides through Jesus. And I wonder how often we think about that. I think at Thanksgiving, we, we tend to be generally thankful, and we, we realize that, yeah, I could probably stand to be a little bit more thankful. I could probably be more grateful of, of everything I have. And we realize that even though our, our, our lives aren't perfect and, and our country isn't perfect, that we, we have it pretty good, and so we should give thanks. But this isn't even the half of it. We should be thankful, and we are never thankful like we ought, and nor can we be. And so what can the Shulamite's desire and thankfulness for her groom's love for her teach us about thanksgiving? Well, if you are thankful for your spouse or for your family, you're never going to say, uh, I'm good. I, I, I think we could stand to see each other a little bit less. I think we could stop talking to each other. We don't need to hang out or, 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 or be around each other. That's fine. Thankfulness doesn't say that. that being thankful for your spouse or your family uh, is to not get bored with them uh, and look elsewhere for fulfillment. Not only will you desire more of your spouse, you will show your love and your thankfulness for them uh, through what you do. And the same is true, and even more so, for Christ. A true thankful heart for what God has done never desires less of Jesus and what he's given. But we need help with this. Because naturally, we, we get bored with what Jesus has given to us. And so we either do want less, not because Jesus and God's gift is bad to us, but because of our own thankless hearts, or we want something else from Jesus or the church that Jesus hasn't promised to give. 
And so our liturgy, which is one of those things that we can tend to get bored with, actually helps us with this. And it teaches us to be thankful for Jesus' love for us. And, and of all things, out of all things, it actually uses the most joyous of all things, wine. I'd like you to open up your hymnal and see this with me on page 21. In the front part of your hymnal, page 21. You recognize this as the start of our communion liturgy. And notice that every time we celebrate communion, I say, uh, and this is a couple lines down, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And you say, it is good and right so to do. And then I respond, it is truly good and right that we should at all times and all places give you thanks. And then I move into the specific thing that we're giving thanks for uh, during that season. This coming Sunday, uh, it'll be Advent, and we'll be giving thanks uh, to, to Jesus as the Lamb of God whose way John the Baptist prepared. Uh, so we're giving thanks. And then we go into the Lord's Supper, and I recite the words of institution where Jesus gives thanks. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. One of the terms that we use for the Lord's Supper is the Eucharist. Eucharist is a Greek word which means thanksgiving. The Lord's Supper is our meal of thanksgiving. And now that doesn't mean that's all it is. It's not just like our Thanksgiving uh, dinner with turkey. Thanksgiving, in this sense, is to take what Christ has given. He's given his body and blood. And to be thankful that in the bread and the wine, Christ provides for our spiritual hunger and thirst. Thanksgiving accepts this daily bread that Christ has given, especially spiritual bread and this is spiritual worship worship and thanksgiving is where god is recognized for what he has done and given to us and this is in contrast to what most people think worship and thanksgiving is that most people think that uh, worship is that, that we praise God, that we worship God, that we uh, give thanks to God to make God happy. And so then God will, will look with favor on us and, and, and give thanks to us. Or that we even, maybe we take communion in order to make God happy. But that's not how scripture talks about thanksgiving and praise. Nor is this what we're doing. We are not coming to appease God's wrath by our offerings, our thanksgiving, giving our fruits to God. We are coming to receive God's offerings in which he has already appeased his own wrath in the fruit of the cross, the body and blood of Jesus given in Holy Communion. Biblical thanksgiving 
accepts what God has already given. And if this is true for spiritual things, this is also true for earthly things. We are thankful for our daily bread, everything that we need for this body and life. And we are thankful not to earn God's favor or blessing, but thankful because God has already shown his favor and blessing to us. The Shulamite continues in our text. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. In the Old Testament, kings and priests were anointed with sweet-smelling oil. Brides were anointed as well. Whenever oil was poured on someone, whenever they were anointed, it meant that they were receiving a new status. David, the lowly shepherd boy, when he was anointed, he was made king. Humble Isaiah was anointed and became a great prophet. A bride would be anointed and she would become, uh, she would have a new status. She becomes a wife and she takes the name of her husband. The name is poured out on her. And all that he has is now hers. She didn't buy it. She didn't earn it. But the groom looks on her with his favor and gives her his blessing. For the Shulamite, that meant that she receives all $2.2 trillion of Solomon's wealth. And for us, we receive everything that Jesus, our groom, has won. Every blessing is given to us, which is greater than that $2.2 trillion. God has done all of this by anointing us, anointing us in the waters of baptism. He's given us a new status. He's redeemed us as, as children of His. He's given us a new name, His name, the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And by anointing us into His hallowed name, he declares us to be holy and righteous and pure. God looks at you and me with his favor, and he praises us. God praises you. Solomon responds in our text, and we should hear the voice of Jesus here. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots, your cheeks are lovely with ornaments. Your neck is uh, with string, uh, strings of jewels. God sees you with the same magnific magnificence as one of Pharaoh's warrior horses, with the same strength and victory because you have been baptized and united with Jesus in his victorious death and resurrection. Even when your life appears in ruins and you yourself consider yourself to be weak and defeated in this life and not worthy of anything, and maybe not with much to be thankful for at certain times in your life, God sees you as what you truly are in Jesus. You are worth more than anything. And if this is how God sees you, 
how will he not graciously also provide everything that you need? And he will do so purely out of his fatherly and divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me or you. And so this Thanksgiving, enjoy what God has given to you. Enjoy your forgiveness. Enjoy God's abundant blessings. And take comfort even in your trials and hardships and know that God gives thanks for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.